Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at WhitRiverside. So we're starting our new series. It's called Clean Me, or Clean Me. We'll come back to those two possible ways of saying this in a moment. But we're going to begin by looking at uh, John's Gospel. In this Gospel, we find the famous account of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Uh, It's uh, a supper. Uh, Jesus has arranged this last meal with his followers. Uh, They're in this upper room. They've shared this intimate meal together where he's told them that he's about to be betrayed. He's about to be put to death. They're they're somewhat shocked by the whole situation. And then he does this strange thing. He, He... puts a towel around his waist, he gets down on his knees, and he begins to wash their feet. And this is the role normally taken by the lowest servant in the household, because feet, back in those days, were smelly and dirty. Who doesn't like feet? Yeah, we've got a few folks in. Feet can be tricky. Um, so, but back in those days, walking around in sandals, lots of animals around, lots of dirt and dust and mess. So feet will get very dirty, very messy, very smelly. And so to get down on your hands and knees and to wash feet was seen as the low, lowest role, really. But Jesus did that. He got down and began to wash the disciples' feet. And all this was going really well until he got to Peter, until he got to the disciple Simon Peter. Let's pick up the story uh, in John's Gospel, chapter 13. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. I'm sure some of you in the room will probably say the same thing. You'll never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean. Peter is really surprised and perplexed that Jesus wants to come and wash his feet. Lord, you actually want to wash my feet? And uh, Jesus, seemingly ever patient with Peter, you can imagine him thinking, here we go again with Peter. Here we go again. He says, Peter, you know, you don't realise, okay, you don't fully understand what I'm doing now, but in time you will, so just let me get on with the feet washing thing. Just let me wash your feet. It seems a bit strange, but it's okay. Peter, always trying to be head of the class, always trying to appear to be magnanimous, says, you will never wash my feet, Jesus. You are far too important to wash my feet. Perhaps he thought this was some sort of disciple test that all the other guys had failed, and he was going to pass because he recognised that feet washing was a lowly occupation. Jesus was somebody important, therefore he should never, ever be allowed to wash his feet. Perhaps he was expecting a pat on the back from Jesus. Well done. You've passed the test, Peter. That was falls over there, I don't recognise how important I am. But Jesus, ever patient, I think decides to push Peter's buttons a bit. He says, well, unless I wash your feet, I'm done with you. You have no part with me. You can see Jesus' frustration here, can't you? The humanity coming through with Jesus going, just let me wash your feet, Peter. Just let me do what I'm trying to do. Let me show you something. Just get out of the way and let me show you what I'm trying to do. 
I'm not sure if Peter's story would have been over at this point if he'd have said, no, you're not washing my feet. And Jesus said, right, get out, that's it, job done. Go away, I'm finished with you. We don't know how that would have ended. I don't suspect that would have been the end of the story. But Jesus knows which buttons to press in Peter because Peter always wants to be magnanimous, always wants to be top of the class, always wants to be first in the queue. So Peter jumps from one extreme to the other. Okay, Lord, if you're in a washing, not only my feet, but my head and my hands, just wash all of me, just wash the whole thing. If that's what you want to do, go ahead. If you're into washing, I'm quite prepared to be washed. Don't you love Peter? <laughs> One theologian said that Peter is the archetypal believer. And what he means by that, he, we see so much of ourselves in Peter, don't we? You know, we, we get it wrong so often. We overpromise, we underdeliver, we try and do the right thing, we end up doing the wrong thing. We, we find ourselves constantly trying to ingratiate ourselves with God and with people and just putting our foot in it. Peter is really, like all of us, in so many ways. He typifies the way we all tend to act in our humanity, in our, in our limitations. But Peter's behaviour elicits a response from Jesus that I want to hone in on today, a revelation that comes to us. Jesus says this back to Peter. He says, "'Those who've had a bath need only to wash their feet.'" Their whole body is clean, and you are clean. Jesus moves from talking about physical cleanliness of feet and and dirt and mess to a spiritual condition, to a spiritual cleanliness. The foot washing, even though it was removing physical dirt from their feet, it symbolised something much deeper, of greater significance. Jesus was showing the disciples that the power of his kingdom didn't come through the power they normally understood, it came through humility and service. That was the unique power of the kingdom of God that he was bringing. He was the servant king. He came to demonstrate his power through his service and his humility. And his foot washing act to the disciples was foreshadowing his greatest act of service, which was to go to the cross, to allow himself to humbly go to the cross and be crucified on their behalf. And that's why you hear in Jesus' words here, Peter, you don't understand at the moment, but you will understand. You will get a greater understanding because of what's going to come down the line. So Jesus tells Peter, you are clean. You are clean. And that's the first meaning of the title of our series, our series today. If you're a follower of Jesus, I tell you today that you are clean. You are spiritually clean. That is your spiritual condition before God at the start of this year. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, there's an invitation into that place of spiritual cleanliness, an invitation to be washed by Jesus. I know some of this imagery sounds strange. Jesus isn't going to come and physically wash you, but there's a a spiritual cleansing which Jesus promises. And so clean is an adjective we can use to describe anybody who's put their trust in Jesus, who's chosen to follow him. You are clean. You are clean before God. And the word bath here, when Jesus says you've had a bath, or as you would say down in Kent, a bath. (laughs) Even though I can't see an R in that word at all. Um, And in the Greek, it's a bath. And um, so Jesus allude to this full washing that's taken place for you. 
because of your choice to receive him and trust him and follow him. There's a complete washing that's taken place in your life. And this is a mystery because we don't know actually when that we could say, well, I remember a day when I remember, I remember a day, March the 9th, 1989, when I spoke to God for the first time and said, I trust you. Did, wash, did God wash me at that point? I, I don't know. Did God wash me over the days ahead? I don't know. But I do know that I can look back and see how my life began to change from that point. I became a different person. I underwent transformation because of the work of the Spirit in me. A washing was taking place. And it'd be the same for you. You have a unique story and a unique testimony of when God came into your life and you began to feel transformed. As we said, this isn't a physical washing. This isn't like God didn't come and sponge me down. This was a spiritual cleansing that was taking place within me. And Keely mentioned at the end of this series, on the 28th of Jan, we're having a, a baptism in here. And that's symbolic. The water's symbolic of the washing that has taken place for those people who will give their story on that day. When King David cries out to God for forgiveness in Psalm 51, he says, wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Even though David has messed up badly, he's crying out to God for forgiveness and he's saying to God, if you come God and you wash me, then I really will be clean. I really will be clean on the inside I'll be transformed he knew that he needed this spiritual cleansing within him and he also knew the only person he could go to for that was God he couldn't get that cleansing any other way if God washed him he'd be whiter than snow and Peter was clean because he'd been fundamentally changed by his relationship with Jesus even though he was still messing up even though he was still full of ego even though he was still over-promising and undelivering, like we all do, he was declared clean by Jesus on that night because of his walk with Jesus over the previous years. Jesus goes on to reinforce this, this situation, this cleanliness, later that evening when he says to them uh, in John 15, he says these words, You're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me also, as I also remain in you. Jesus is saying to all his disciples now, because you've received me, you've walked with me, you've trusted me, you're following me, that is making you clean. Making you clean. And what's interesting about this, theologically, is this is prior to the cross. This is prior to the act of the cross. This is prior to Jesus going to the cross. There's something that's happening within the kingdom dynamic and these people following Jesus, that they're being made spiritually clean. They're being transformed through their relationship with Jesus. So it's not just the cross, the act of the cross that transforms us. It's our relationship with the person of Jesus Christ. Because he says, the words, my words, essentially my words, my model, my walk, has been sort of flowing over you over the past three years. And that's been cleaning you. That's been transforming you. That's been changing you. Essentially, it's their relationship with Jesus which is doing the work, doing the cleansing. So he says to them, because of that, so, because of that relationship, is it so important, remain in me and I'll remain in you. Let's stay connected relationally so that spiritual state can continue. Remain in me and I'll remain in you. So even though Jesus describes us as clean, if we're a follower of Christ, that can sometimes be a hard thing to receive. 
it can be a hard thing to receive. Because when we look at our lives, when we look through the windscreen of our lives, it can tend to look a little bit like this. We look through the windscreen of our lives and all we see are the blemishes. All we see are the imperfections. All we see are the squashed bugs. All we see are the mess-ups, the things we said we were going to do and we didn't do. The areas where we thought we were succeeding, we find we're failing. All our imperfections, we look through the windscreen of our lives and we see a little bit like this. And so when someone stands in front of you and says to you, you're clean, you say, well, actually, (laughs) you might think so, but in reality, this is what I see. This is what I see when I look out through the window of my life. And those blemishes, they become the focus of our identity. We think our identity lies in our failings or our mess-ups or our inconsistencies or our over-promises. And they become the focus. Much as if you're like me, you're driving along and a a big insect splats on the windscreen, you want to get it off quick because it kind of draws your attention uh, and you're trying to focus on where you're heading. This is a very dirty windscreen. Agreed? But the windscreen underneath all the muck and the bugs is still clear. It's still made of glass. It's still clear. That is the nature of the windscreen. That is its intrinsic character. It's clear. It's made of glass. It's pure. The fundamental nature of the windscreen doesn't lie in the squash bugs or the dirt or the smears that have appeared on the surface of it. If the windscreen could talk, what do you think it would say? Clean me. Let me get back to the state which I know is my actual fundamental state. My my true identity isn't to look like this. My true identity is to provide a clear windscreen you can look through. And similarly, our identity doesn't lie in those things that we see and preoccupy our thoughts, our failings and our shortcomings, our squash bugs or the dirt in our lives. And just like the windscreen, what we need is periodic cleaning or cleansing in our lives to remind us and restore us back to our true identity. So we have this strange thing in the kingdom where Jesus says, you are clean, but you need cleaning. And that's the nature of the ongoing relationship of the kingdom. You are clean, intrinsically, fundamentally, at the very heart of who you are, but you still need periodic cleaning. And part of the issue we face is in the busyness of life and the, and the things that we're facing and we're rushing through life, we often don't stop to recognise this is part of our spiritual maintenance, if you like. We've had a lot of rain recently, haven't we? And uh, as you know, most of our water treatment in this country can't cope with high levels of rain. This frustrates me because I used to work in the water treatment industry 30 years ago when we were investing heavily in water treatment works, which we seem to have stopped doing. But basically what happens is when it rains heavily, rather than the water, treatment, the water passing through the treatment works being treated and going back into the rivers and the sea, they bypass the treatment works just to prevent the water backfilling into your toilets and homes, which would be nasty. So the, the lesser of two evils is to let that water run untreated back into the sea to bypass the cleaning processes that have been put in place to make that water better and fit to go back into rivers and sea. 
And I was down at Long Rock the other day and I could see the, the pair of the Swalcliffe Brook which runs past us and that pair is, it runs um, high after floods and you can see it just, just pairing back to the sea. And often, you know, you know within that brook is untreated uh, water going back into the sea. Because of the sheer flow of that water and the, and the volume of that water, it was just bypassing the works and going straight back into the sea. And sometimes with our lives, with the busyness and fullness of our lives and all the things we have to think about and cope with, and, and we forget that we need this ongoing maintenance of cleaning that Jesus encouraged us into. He says to you, you are clean, but your feet stink. And you need a bit of foot washing in your life. You need a bit of maintenance. You need a bit of cleansing. You need to remain in me and I remain in you. And as you remain in me, this process of cleansing will take place. See, the grime we pick up in our lives is not as obvious as looking at our feet and thinking, they are filthy, they are a mess. But we still pick up the grime. We still pick up the bugs. We still pick up the, the smears. All these things come into our lives and they obscure our view of what it is to walk with Jesus. And I'm sure throughout 2023, you've had stuff hit the windscreen of your life and make a mess. And some of it has stayed there. And some of it is still there. And it needs cleaning away. And so I'm inviting us together to make that our prayer at the start of the year. Jesus, would you come and clean me? Would you come and work with me, work within me to bring your cleansing to my life. What's your motivation? Why bother? Some of you are quite happy to drive along with your windscreens like that. I've driven in cars where I've been praying that someone would press the windscreen washer button at least once because I can't see the road and if I can't see the road I'm convinced they can't see the road. I'm thinking what are they doing just making a saving on washer fluid? Why don't they just press it at least once? Just a little tiny clear? Or we've all made the mistake, haven't we, on a frosty morning of driving with a letterbox? Because <laughs> we're so busy, desperate to get to work, we're looking at it through a tank slit, you know. Um, it's scary when you're in a car and you can't see properly out the front windscreen. And when we get mess in our lives, it obscures our vision of Jesus, it obscures our vision of each other, and we start to live from a distorted perspective. You might feel like Peter... Jesus, you're never going to see my dirty feet. You're never going to get close to my smelly feet because I just don't want you anywhere near my mess. I don't want you anywhere near the mess in my life. So just, you know, just stay away. No foot washing for me. Maybe just the thought of someone getting close to your mess freaks you out this morning. Maybe just the thought of someone knowing about some of the mess in your life really scares you this morning. Perhaps you're so comfortable with your dirty windscreen, you're quite happy squinting through it to continue to drive. Perhaps you're happy with that view. In his letter to the church in Corinth, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. So Paul is motivating these believers in this, in this new church in Corinth to, to purify themselves, to, to partner with the cleansing of the Holy Spirit's work in their lives. This isn't to make them more acceptable to God. 
or to make them more loved by God. It's just to invite them into this partnering work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. They had received these promises, Paul says. You've got these promises. And these promises of God's unconditional love and acceptance, invitation into his family, the security of that promise that you're now part of God's family. He loves you. He's, he, he cares for you. He loves your, your, your uniqueness. He loves who you are. He sees everything and he loves you unconditionally. He invites you into the family. They have these great promises. And because of them, Paul says, let's start to begin to get our, our houses in order. Let's start to begin to purify ourselves from anything that might contaminate us. And the, the word there simply means to make dirty. It might dirty us, might obscure our windscreen of our life. So the motivation for them, Paul says, is out of reverence for God. Out of reverence for God. And that means just a respect and a love and a, and a, because of, of what God has done for them. So they should be motivated to clean their lives up because they're now in relationship with a God who loves them, who they worship and revere. Now just imagine a friend invited you over for an evening meal. And before you got there, they said, we're really excited. We've just had this brand new cream carpet put down in our lounge. It's beautiful, beautiful deep pile cream carpet. We're so pleased with it. Love you to come and see it. Come over for a meal. And you think, well... Okay, I know where they live. It's um, rather than take the car, I'm going to hike over some fields. So I'm going to hike over these muddy fields and um, just, just hike to their house, hike, hike. But I also know on the way to their house, I know there's a disused garage where there's loads of puddles of old engine oil. I'm going to make my way through those puddles of engine oil uh, on the way to their house. So I've just done my walking. I've hiked my way to their house. I get to the front door, I ring the doorbell, and I say, oh, it's great to see you, so come on in. I say, great, I'm coming on in, I'm coming on in. And I walk straight in my muddy, oily boots, and I go, this is the cream carpet you've had, this is fantastic, look at this cream carpet, it's amazing, look at this lovely cream carpet you've had here. With my boots, I'm all over it with my boots, and I sit down, and I put my feet on the sofa and say, can I have a cup of tea? <laughs> now, what would my friend's reaction be? <laughs> <laughs> What impact would my actions have on my relationship with them? Would they be inviting me back anytime soon? Deliberately choosing to walk my muddy, oily boots all over their brand new cream carpet and put my feet on their furniture would not be an expression of my friendship with them, would it? It wouldn't be an expression of my relationship with them, would it? In fact, it would have seemed to be the opposite. In his book, The Divine Conspiracy, Dallas Willard highlights the development in evangelical Christianity, which he calls barcode religion. Barcode religion. You've all been to supermarkets and you see, you pick your food up and there's normally a, a, a label on there, a barcode, which makes it a lot easier when you get to the till just scan it over the till, ping, pops up, pack of tomatoes, 70p. How much tomatoes? They're not 70p anymore, are they? £4.50. Pack of tomatoes, £4.50. And the barcode says what it is, and it's great, and you can just get your food out really quickly, really quickly. And Dallas said this barcode idea has crept into contemporary Christianity. 
And the idea is if you just slap a barcode on someone's life that says, decision for Jesus, then that basically is enough. At some point in history, I said yes to Jesus, and Jesus came and slapped a big Jesus sticker barcode on my chest and said, there you are, you've got your Jesus barcode, off you go and do what you like. Off you go and live how you like. Off you go and do whatever you want to do, because that sticker there means you're okay. You've got the Jesus barcode on your life. And when you come before me at some point in the future, I'm going to scan that barcode, bing, and it's going to say, follower of Jesus, and everything's going to be great. That's how it's going to be. Job done. And that's what Dallas spoke about in this book, Divine Conspiracy. Now then, we've moved on a bit from barcodes. We've now got QR codes. So anyone with a smartphone, can you scan that for me? And anybody scans it, shout out what it says. This is an orange. Ah, so we've got a bit of a problem. This is an orange. So, is it? (laughs) That's not a trick question. Is it? (laughs) Come on, guys. Is it an orange? No, (laughs) it's not an orange. Just because the barcode, the QR code says it's an orange, doesn't mean to say it's an orange. It's just been labelled incorrectly, yeah? It's been labelled incorrectly. Just putting a sticker on something, saying it is something, doesn't change it into something else. It doesn't transform it. And this is Dallas's point. He says, just having kind of a Jesus sticker on your life, with no outward sign that you actually are that thing, doesn't make you that thing. If that sticker rested on an orange, we'd be quite happy, wouldn't we? Could we say, it looks like an orange... Therefore, sticker says orange, it's an orange. Jesus said, judge a tree by its fruit, didn't he? You can tell what kind of tree it is by the fruit it produces. So an apple tree should produce apples, orange trees should produce oranges, so on and so forth. Judge a tree by its fruit. So when someone is looking at your life, They are judging what kind of tree you are by the fruit you're producing. That's what Jesus said. If you're producing one kind of fruit, then that's clearly what you are. Producing another kind of fruit, that's clearly what you are. The point Jesus made was, if you're going to follow me, then there should be an outward expression of that. There should be a sign. There should be fruit in your life which tells people that's a follower of Jesus. That person looks like Jesus, walks like Jesus, therefore they're following Jesus. But Dallas said this idea has crept into modern evangelical Christianity whereby you can just have a sticker on your life and that will get you through. And then you can just act however you want to act. Just do whatever you want to do because you're okay with Jesus. But that's not the fundamental core of the gospel. In fact, he writes, it's inconceivable that being reconciled to God's love would not be followed by observable changes in values and behaviours. It's inconceivable that being reconciled to God's love would not be followed by observable changes in values and behaviours. Barco Christianity is not what Jesus talked about, not what Jesus modelled, not what Jesus spoke about. He said, remain in me and I remain in you. Let's walk together. Let's walk together. An apple isn't an orange just because it's got an orange QR code stuck on it. So in this letter to the Corinthians, Paul explores them. He says to them, look, 
open your heart to me. In chapter 6, we just looked at chapter 7. He says, open your heart to me. I'm, I'm the real deal. You can trust me. You can trust what I'm writing to you. And then he goes on to give them his CV, which is quite extraordinary. He says, he talks to himself and his friends and his companions. He says, we, as servants of God, we commend ourselves to you in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, in hardships and distress, in beatings, imprisonments and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience and kindness, in the Holy Spirit, in sincere love, in truthful speech, in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and the left. He goes on, through glory and dishonour, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. He says, this is my CV. This is what shows you that I'm an authentic follower of Jesus. I'm the real deal. You can see from the outworking observable reality in my life. Paul isn't just in possession of a sticker that says follower of Jesus on him. His life, his choices, his sacrifice demonstrates what's happened inside. He's met the living God. He's met the living God and that's changed everything. That's changed everything. He's prepared to make these tremendous sacrifices to try and draw other people into God's love. His outward life is now an indication of that inward transformation. Now, Paul's example is inspiring, but is incredibly extreme. And you and I are highly unlikely to have to go through or experience the same things that Paul did to demonstrate God is active in our lives. But we are called to this continued process of transformation. Jesus makes us spiritually clean, but then he invites us into this process of remaining in him. And we remain in him by responding to the promptings of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And that's what Paul's encouraging you and I to do today. Not to duck out of this ongoing maintenance we have with the Holy Spirit. Not to bypass the water treatment works in our lives. Not to just try and rush on and on and on into 2024. And we all need to ask God to help us in this process. We've all got stuff on our windscreens that's unique to who we are. King David, again, in Psalm 139, he invites God to search him and reveal anything in him that needs attention. He, said, God, he says, God, search me. Search me, O oh God. Know my ways. Know my anxious thoughts. Come in. I invite you to come and do an audit in my life. And then he finishes by praying, God, would you lead me in the way everlasting? Would you lead me into your future? Will you be the vision that guides my life and directs my life? And David's prayer gives us a really good model as we think about the start of this year. To invite God in. At the start of this year, I invite you to give God access to all areas of your life. Even your messy bits. Even the bits you're not proud of. Invite him in. Access all areas. Let him search you. Let him look into all the different parts and rooms of your life. He's the only one really qualified for the job. He's the only one who's really qualified to look at all your stuff and help you with it. 
Yes, friends can come alongside, family can come alongside, but Jesus, in his spirit, is the only one really qualified to come in and say, well, this is this, actually. And then, ask him to show you what needs cleaning. I can't tell you this morning what's contaminating your life. Over the next few weeks, I'm going to give you a few broad brush strokes that might be helpful, but I can't tell you what's contaminating your life, because what's contaminating your life might be different to what's contaminating my life. And what I might struggle with might be very different to what you struggle with. We all have different areas of challenge. The Apostle Paul said, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. And what he meant by that phrase was, in a sense, in God, you're now free. But there's going to be certain stuff for you that isn't going to be beneficial. And you need to figure out what that is with the help of the Holy Spirit. Because I can't tell you this morning. Because you'll struggle with different things to the things I struggle with. But the Holy Spirit can come in and show you what needs attention. He can uniquely speak to you about your life. And the last thing, partner with the Holy Spirit's leading. Lead me, God, in the way everlasting. Lead me, God, in a life that reflects your presence in my life. Let me see, let me live from a vision of Jesus, a vision of the kingdom. So what's unique about the Christian faith is that we are in relationship with the living God who's present by his spirit. We don't have to follow a set of rules on a page because we're all unique. We're invited uniquely into a relationship with God and he uniquely leads us. Jesus says, I'm going away, but that's okay because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. The paraclete, the comforter, is going to come and be with you forever. And he's going to journey with you through all the stuff of life. And he's going to help you remain in me. And he's going to help you remain clean. And he's going to help you live from a vision of the kingdom. And that's the reality at the start of this year. And we're in this unique place of being able to work and walk with a living God. By his spirit. Isn't that wonderful? That you and I can walk through this year with a living God, walking with us intimately in everything we go through, showing us, helping us, supporting us, leading us. And so whatever it is that you are facing this year, and whatever you start from, don't try and do it alone. Don't try and do it alone. Because you're not called to do life alone. You're called to do it in community, and that community starts with God and then ripples out to the people sitting in the chairs around you, your church family. You're called to walk with support. So, in summary, guys, clean me is a statement of being and it's a statement of intent. Both and this morning. You are clean in God. You are fully accepted, fully loved this morning in Christ, if you've chosen to follow him. If you haven't, that invitation is there for you. That invitation to come is there for you. You can become clean. But then there's ongoing desire to maintain and grow and transform with the work of the Spirit in your life. And this is the both-and nature of following Jesus. We are clean, but we're being cleaned. We're being transformed. We're whole, but we're being made whole. Yeah? This ongoing nature and walk with the kingdom. 
Jesus said, the kingdom is here and the kingdom is coming. Both are true. We live in these, this, this state where both these things are true. You are clean, but there's cleaning to be done. And you can partner with the work of the Spirit to get the windscreen of your life back to a clear vision of Jesus. But I want to stress, nothing you're going to do this year is going to make God love you anymore. You don't earn God's love. If you had a young child come into your kitchen covered in mud and you took them upstairs and got them showered and cleaned and, and changed their clothes, you wouldn't think, oh, I love you more now because you're clean. It's not to do with how much God loves you or cares for you. It's God's desire for you. God wants you to live in fullness of transformation. Some stuff in your life is holding you back. Some stuff in your life needs healing. Some stuff in your life needs attention. Some stuff needs to go. And maybe some new stuff needs to come in this year. So we let Jesus wash our feet because we're partnering with him in this process of ongoing transformation. We don't partner with the mud. I don't go walk in in a muddy field and go home and take my boots off and go, mud, I love you so much. I just feel like you and I are just connected. You, the dirt, I just, I just love you dirt. I want to feel the dirt. I want to be the dirt. Anyone do that? No. Hopefully you take your boots and you put them somewhere safe and you get them clean. We don't partner or identify with the mess in our lives. We don't say that's our identity. We don't say that's who we are. What we do is recognise our identities in Christ and invite him to help us sort the stuff out. And that's what this series, hopefully, is going to help us with. If you're able, why don't you stand with me as we come into land? Can you invite the band to come back up, please? I don't want anyone this morning going away from here feeling any kind of guilt because that's not what God does. There's a difference between guilt and conviction. The Holy Spirit brings conviction. The Holy Spirit doesn't bring guilt. The Holy Spirit will say to you, this is an area of your life I think we can work on. This is an area of life I think we can restore. This is an area of life I think where there's hope for change. All guilt would say is I'm messed up. I'm a bad person. I'm intrinsically wrong. Guilt has no hope for the future. Conviction is different. So if you leave here with conviction this morning, I'll be happy. But please don't leave here with any guilt because that's not the voice of God into your life this morning. When the Holy Spirit speaks, there's hope for change and transformation. And I encourage you, if God is speaking to you, then don't ignore his voice. You can just simply go home, find a quiet space and say, God, I think you talked to me about this. Would you help me in this area? And then just begin to walk that out with God. So I just want to invite you at the start of this, um, this new year, maybe to make a recommitment to God in that way, that you don't want to kind of dodge the treatment works in your life. You don't want to be so busy with what you do and what you've got going on that you kind of continue to run fast and you don't remain in Jesus. I also want to encourage you, if you're thinking about faith this morning or you're new here, this one might seem very strange to you, but really at its heart, the gospel is very simple. It's an invitation from Jesus. He just says, would you come and follow me? 
would you come and walk with me? I've got a better way of doing life than probably you're doing it right now. So why not, why not open the door of your heart to me and invite me in and we'll, we'll get to know each other and we'll commune together. And I'll do some of the heavy lifting. I'll bring transformation where you, where you feel you can't change. So let's pray. You might want to close your eyes. You might want to open your hands. Whatever you want to do to receive this morning. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your the great promises that rest over us this morning. The same promises that the Apostle Paul spoke of all those years ago. We live in those promises. And the core of that promise is your great love for us. But also, Spirit, we know you're here. Active, living, dynamic, present in our lives. Present for us this year. So, Jesus, we ask, would you lead us in the way everlasting? Would you lead our lives? Would that windscreen of our lives be clear? Let us see Jesus clear this year. Let us live from a different vision. And help us to commit to you. Help us to make space for you. We welcome your presence. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.